0: Hey, Andrew. Hey, Greg. Did you see the Captain Marvel movie?
1: I saw the Captain Marvel movie, not to Uh, be confused with the other kind of Captain Marvel movie that's coming out.
0: I saw the... Oh, God, we're already getting confused. I I knew you saw the Captain Marvel movie because we talked about it beforehand. Then we both said, are you going to go see the Captain Marvel so that we can talk about it on the podcast? And we were like, yes, let's do that. So so you saw the Captain Marvel movie.
1: Yeah, uh, I got to go on uh, Sunday... And I actually, uh, Shay came with me, which uh, was shocking to me, but yeah.
0: And this is because Shay normally sleeps through superhero movies, right?
1: Correct. And we went at 11 a.m., which helped, I think. Uh, <laughs> she was getting sleepy towards the end, I could tell. But uh, she she powered through it, and uh, she... Uh, well, we can talk about what she thought of it, little bits and pieces, as a non-comic book movie person. But uh, let we want to do what we normally do and take a take a broad guess at what the other person thought.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Why don't you go first and guess right. what I thought?
1: I'm gonna guess that you didn't love this movie and you probably barely even like it. And all that right, it first was of maybe- all,
0: first of all, first of all, that is an easy guess. Fair. Most movies I don't love.
1: Fair. But (laughs) even, sorry. Let's say, in the context of Marvel movies, I'm going to say that you didn't, you're not going to rank this particularly highly, that you probably thought it was too by the book, a little safe, very Marvel, a bit boring, maybe a bit flat. Uh, That's my take on what I think your take is.
0: Okay. So, what did I think that you thought about this? I think it's definitely not your favorite Marvel movie. But I think you. Ultimately, I think you were disappointed by the kind of world building and canon uh, enhancements that this made. Um, I'm going to say that you wish they'd done a little bit more with the 90s premise. um, But you were excited to see how she's going to fit into the next steps. Okay. All right. So, how accurate was I? Uh, you're
1: not too far off. Um, I overall, I'll say, I like to give the overall first, and get in the nitty gritty here. Overall, I thought this was a solid movie. I would probably not even rank it in the top fifty percent of MCU movies, though. Um, which I always sort of put the caveat on that, like even the worst MCU movie is like a pretty decent you know, pole action movie, in my mm-hmm. opinion, regardless of which one that is. Like, it's, this is, we're grading on a curve here because it's not Transformers or Batman vs. Superman or whatever else, right? So, but it, that being said, I, I think that, um, I'd probably put it in the middle of the pack maybe, and I, I really like what you've been, the way you've been discussing movies, uh, both on this podcast and also in our conversations, but also in your other podcasts, which everyone should check out. It's called 1995, the podcast. Uh, basically, Aww. like, did this movie meet its goals? And I kind of thought this movie had, at least from from a story, well, maybe not from a story perspective. I thought this movie had two main goals. Obviously, there's goals of fitting in the larger universe and kind of kind of getting people amped up for endgame, these kind of things. But I think its first goal was an origin story for Captain Marvel. Do you agree? Yeah. And I thought it didn't do that particularly well. I think one of the other goals was to sort of be a, you know, a movie to highlight, uh, you know, a strong female lead and, you know, be a, you know, sort of impact on female empowerment and pride. And I thought it actually did that pretty well. Um, Some sort of, sort of like taking a step back and kind of ignoring some of the Marvel stuff about it. Um, I thought it struck a really good balance that at least resonated with me personally. Um, I to comment on some other things, I actually thought that they had the right level of 90s stuff. Hmm. Like, I really was really worried that this is going to be like, the 90s, am I right? Uh, uh. You know, just from like the trailer initially, I thought the music was pretty hit or miss. Some really landed for me, and some did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just beyond me, not where like the music to play. Is but there is
0: there a particular standout of a song that did not land for you? Uh,
1: Nirvana's "Come As You Are" when she's in the and, and when Supreme Collective the second time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was mm-hmm. just like, nah, I don't like that. I mean, I'm glad they sort of called it out, and then it was sort of like this thing. But I don't know. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. I don't even know the other songs that were played cuz I'm not I don't know my my 90s music. It's not How did you, how did you like...
0: feel about No Doubt's I'm Just a Girl during the climactic fight scene? Um, that could have been better. I feel like we could have made a better choice on that one too, yeah. but anyway, let's not get hung up on those details just yet.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like if they were uh if this was like set in the 80s it would have been like, you know, Girls just want to have fun, oh, and that would have been, would've,
0: or it would have, it would have been, one hundred percent either Cindy Lauper or Pat Benatar.
1: Yeah, uh, but anyway, um, and uh, your question about world building, and I'll, I'm going to get into this, but. I actually thought – I actually liked the way that this fit in. I didn't think they went – only one or two of, like, the – you call them enhancements, I would call them retcons, you know, whatever (laughs) uh, that you want to say, you know, which is inevitable in a movie set, you know, 15 years before the previous ones. Um, I only thought they really crossed the line of, like, making me go, eh, like, once or twice. Because generally, actually, in the, in the macro scheme, I actually kind of like where this movie fits in. Because mm-hmm. it ex- it's kind of like a Rogue One where, like, it explains some things without being too... Some of the Rogue One's a little too convenient. But, like, without being, like, too, uh, like, on the nose. Like, how in Rogue One, um, the reason the Rebel fleet only deploys starfighters against... Or sorry, it, in A New Hope, the only reason the Rebel fleet de- deploys starfighters against the Death Star is because the, the fleet they previously had was ravaged getting the plans. Mm-hmm. And that's and they don't like write that out in the movie and make some you know grand gesture about it, but it's just like for a fan who cares, this it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, and it also sort of heightens up the drama of A New Hope because you're like, this is their last, this is really their last ditch effort, right? Mm-hmm. So it fits well in that way. And I thought that it did some of that in some interesting ways, which I'll get into then. But how would I do about you?
0: Okay, um, you're right. I didn't love this movie. Um... But when I think about it, and I think about it in the terms of, let's say this weekend, Karen said, you know what? I think I want to see Captain Marvel. Uh, Would you mind seeing it again? I think I'd be like, yeah, let's go see it. I think I would see this movie again. Okay. Um, I think that it does have an almost softer tone is not the right word, but like it's not as intense and rip roaring as, you know, some of the other Marvel films were either You've got this, like, really kind of hyper real, exaggerated cartoonish comedy, like Thor Ragnarok. Like, that that movie's got a kind of a high level of intensity to it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's, you know, kind of heavy handed on the drama, like, say, a civil war, or even just going out of its way to, like, really be funny and have a lot of crazy special effects, like the Guardians movies. This movie is much more just kind of like, um, more subdued, but I really didn't mind that. Um, so I think that there are, that this movie, no, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but so you said I, I wouldn't love it and I don't think I loved it, but I do think I came away with it then with a little bit more than I've come away from some of the other more recent films. I think that, I think that it ultimately fails in it's weird kind of like, time-shifted, out-of-order origin story, but the, the way that this movie tries to play with the formula and play with your expectations does leave me thinking about things. And, you know, so, so that's that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see, what else did you say, did you predict? that I just that I wouldn't <laughs> love it. I liked it. I liked it. I uh, Truthfully, if you stacked up a, a number of Marvel movies and said, which one do you want to watch? Um, this one would be close to, close to the top of the list. Um, I think that it is a very watchable movie. Mm-hmm. It's energy. It's very entertaining. I think that it it's weak in some important places, but I think all in all, it just as a piece of entertainment, I think it's good. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I really agree with what you said and we will just jump right in here about some things like the way it was like the way it felt the tone and the way it was filmed even. And I kind of can't wait, like it felt different. Even though it's very marble, right? Yes. But I was like, what is this different? And I realized when I was watching it that, like, walking walking away at the theater, I'm like, some of the scenes felt very 90s in that, like, if an action movie came out in the late 90s, this is kind of what it would feel like. Like, that car chase train fight scene, that felt like something you'd watch in, you know, like Lethal Weapon or hmm. something like that. And there were in some ways that some things were filmed or some of the flow of the movie, I'm like, this kind of feels like a '90s movie, and I can't tell like if that's like a purposeful thing, like ah, we're kind of sanitizing, we're kind of trying to play with that a little bit, or if it just means it's bad. But like, because I mean, we've, we've come a long way since the '90s in the way things were filmed and, and designed. But um, I don't know. I I do agree that it did feel it did feel subdued, and in some ways that felt okay, in other ways that felt off to me. But I do think that that's okay because, in the macro view, you can't have every movie top the last movie in scope and in you know choreography and in everything because it's just you're gonna you're gonna run into a wall eventually and you leave that stuff for the the big the big ones right
0: i i do think though that that there there were some parts of this movie that should have been intense or more elevated but were not
1: Yeah, I'd agree 100%.
0: And the one that I want to kind of draw attention to is, and I think this is where they kind of made a a critical error, and they tried to do this clever thing where they kind of, you know, really revealed her origin in the middle of the movie Mm -hmm. um, and really revealed who she was, even though we as the audience were a step or two ahead. Um, But this moment where, you know, she... Reclaims her identity, and this is the big, um, you know, the big moment for her. Um, it didn't work because at that point in the movie, we didn't know who Carol Danvers was.
1: Agreed, yeah. So,
0: when she we have this big scene where she, you know, says, Oh no, my name is Carol Danvers, and blah blah blah, it's like, Okay, cool. But it's kind of weird that we are kind of meeting you for the first time halfway through the movie. It just it it it's and I don't know, I don't think there's a way to make that work, right? In the in a movie. I think the closest thing I can think of is in the Song of Ice and Fire books, where you find out that Reek is Theon because it's in a book, so we don't have to actually look at the character and realize it's the same guy. Right. right. Um, but it just it's tough because up until that point we just we don't know enough about her to really care about this moment other than okay she's kind of fun and spunky and confident in a in a kind of a fun way that isn't the kind of normal Tony Stark, Stephen Strange arrogance that we're used to, but I don't really have anything to grab onto with her character until halfway through. But even then, I don't have much other than a couple, like, halfway flashbacks that are kind of like, she's a tough girl.
1: Yeah, uh, I actually feel the exact same way, and that's why I felt, that's why I say that I think it failed at its premise as, it you know, its goal as an origin movie. I think that, you know, characters for me are always really important, and I think that one thing Marvel has done pretty well for the most part is having, you know, some of them might be tropey or whatever, but they're they're at least fun and and you feel a sort of attachment to the characters they've built. And I I felt like I don't know anything about Captain Marvel besides her act, her like, by, you know, her by the books plot background. And that was also Shay's complaints. I don't really think I like I knew anything about her at the end of the movie. Yeah. And, you know, all I have and know about her is that she's quippy but really strong right like she's she's a tough girl right like and you know they i think and like i said i don't know how to fix it because i'm not sure that like more flashbacks or more development with her and maria and monica like that was a good route to take and that relationship was like a unique one that i really liked and they had good chemistry but and i just felt like there was something missing in that part of the movie to really push you over from why do we care that you don't you know i mean like what why do we care that you're not years and you're Carol. Like you said, we don't really know who you are. And that's bad for this movie, but it's also bad moving forward because when she shows up, we don't really know anything. You know, it's going to be a, me, one in a mix of a hundred characters. So like, that's not great. Like I walked away with this movie feeling. I learned a lot more about Nick Fury than I learned about Carol Danvers.
0: Yeah. And I really wish I had, I, when I, when I felt like I was seeing her as a character, I really liked her. I wanted to see more of her. <laughs> But she spent half the movie as kind of this other person. Kind of? And also, it was never really quite clear how much she knew about her old life. Right. Like,
1: Is there a point where like it all came r- rushing back and she remembered everything? Right. Or, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I wish that would have been clearer for sure. Because it was um, just
0: kind of hard to follow, like... Because then all of a sudden she's having, she's reminiscing with Maria and you're like, I felt like there should have been a scene in there somewhere where we, you know, she, she gets her memories back or something. And maybe that was kind of what happened when there was that kind of rapid flashback moment where they tried to have the big musical emotional payoff. But I don't know, it just didn't, there was just a kind of a fundamental storytelling problem there where I didn't quite know what information she had.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, I was just like, is this what's supposed to be happening with the pictures? You know, and Monica's going through the pictures very quickly. And this is when we did this. And this is when we did that. And like, you get you get a sense of like someone describing a character to you. Like, yes. you know, you're a great person. Awesome. But like, show me. Right. Like, and I don't know if that's fixed with more flashbacks or, you know, I really don't know. So I like that they try to do something a little different because the way the movie opened in the first, you know, 20 30 minutes was not really what I what I expected but um I don't know I just think a little bit I think you see I think that the maybe the time they could have shown even more was I like maybe a couple more flashbacks while that show her and Maria together and her with uh, Dawson or Marvel, I guess. Yeah. Because like that scene where she's flying and then she shoots the engine, like that is a that's a really important scene and describes to you, to the viewer, like what kind of character she is. That she's willing to sacrifice herself. She probably thought that thing was gonna blow up and kill everybody. Yes. And fine. Like that she's she's he's a capital H hero, which is great. That's what we're looking for, right? But I do feel like there was just a little bit of extra nuance and like I, I like, you know, Brie Larson a lot. Like I can't say i've seen her a lot of things but she seems like a nice person and she seems really interested in this role which is good but she always comes across a little flat to me (laughs) and at least in this like it just seems like she can do a lot she's a very good she's she won an oscar right like she's a great actress but i feel like they needed to give her a little more to do i agree i think otherwise i don't think i was gonna like gonna come across a certain way where where some people have this very like natural charisma and I'm not saying she's not charismatic, but I think she has to be directed in a way to be charismatic. Where, like, Sam Jackson's just always going to be Sam Jackson and, and like, hysterical in his own way, right?
0: Well, so, I think, I think she was at a little bit of a disadvantage.
1: Yeah, I'm not blaming her at all. I just think um, it's, like, her personality and acting style, but...
0: I don't think she got a lot of opportunities to really have any, like, really good scenes other than, you know... I think she was charismatic when she needed to be charismatic, but I don't think she had any... Really big character building scenes, I guess, is what I should say. Mm-hmm. And Sam Jackson has the advantage of, you know, he was in a lot of mid 90s action movies. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they were like, hey, do you remember like Die Hard 3 and um, Long Kiss Goodnight? Like, do that. <laughs> Be that guy again. Here's some DVDs of your old work. See you next week. Um, And I think, you know, he was great. He's always great. But I also think they gave him more to work with um, that's in line with his with what we want from him. Yeah. I I think that. You know, I think Brie Larson could have done much better in emotional scenes, but they didn't write enough emotional scenes for her.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that, you know, also he benefited from the fact that like we know what that character looks like after another twenty years, right? Yes. 15 years. And and I will say that like I really felt like they did a good job of that where it's like, I can totally see this guy becoming Nick Fury later. That's partially because they're modeling, you know, this is all going into the, the pot, right? Like who what kind of characters does Sam Jackson play? What kind of Nick Fury do you want? These things are all, you know, part of this. But um I will say from a character strong point uh, or character point, I, I really did like Mendelssohn's character too. Yeah. Um, I will say overall that I thought the scrolls actually like looked really good and I liked the transformation effect which was kind of gross and I liked that. Um, I kind of felt like the scrolls overall were written a little like cartoony. I don't know how to describe it. Like just felt like a little bit maybe it's contributing to that like lightness of the movie but um, it just I don't know. It felt like a little bit weird but uh, his character I did like. He was kind of Kind of a weird way of like delivering his lines and and but it kind of worked for me.
0: Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about it because that was one of the the really great surprises of the movie. Not only the twist, um, but you know, that character um really stole every scene he was in. Mm-hmm. And I have to give them a lot of credit for um really burying the lead on the twist. I I kind of agree that. They almost seemed like they were coming from the Guardians movies, yeah. the way they were written in a lot of ways. Um, It didn't always feel in place, especially then when you juxtapose it with, we're these refugees, mm-hmm. but I'm also just like this kind of wisecracking, you know, goofball sometimes that didn't quite fit with me. Because it's like, if you've been on the run and you haven't seen your family in 20 years or whatever it is, it's like, you really just gonna be like being an old jokester, but um, in isolation, um, and I think they did such a good job of playing with your expectations of these are the Skrulls. This is the way they look. They wear purple and shoot purple guns. And Uh, they kind of look like Thanos just a little bit and they got big pointy ears. And also the bad guys being played by Ben Mendelsohn. Who's the bad guy in movies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's his job to be the bad guy in movies. So you see him and you're like, of course there's the bad guy. Um, and they did all of that and all of that made you completely forget of like oh right weren't the kree the bad guys in guardians of the galaxy
1: well and that's why i I really like like the also to talk about the plot like to kind of isolate the plot a little bit the overall plot i really liked it actually yeah um i thought that i liked the way it fit into the existing lore like i said only crossing over into that sort of overly retcon feeling once or twice maybe the you know the Changing the name from Protector to Avenger based on her tagline. Even that was like, yeah, it's okay. Um, but you know, I thought that like I said, you know, the twist surrounding Marvell and Rog and Talos was like pretty solid and it added this complexity to the movie, which was good, it had sort of an anti imperialist message which felt good. You know, at the end of the movie, Shea was like, So but I guess the Kree like weren't really like all bad though, right? I'm like, well no, like that's kind of the point of the movie, right? Like and I just love how it led right into the conversation of like I'm like, you know, explaining to her, do you remember you know, I know you watched Guardians a long time ago, and, like, you know, I love my wife, but one of her worst qualities was remembering anything about something she watched longer than a week <laughs> ago. And she was like, yeah, yeah, it's the guy with the hammer, right? He was, like, the bad guy. I'm like, exactly. And he was the bad guy because at some point this war ends, and he refuses to end it because he's a, like, you know, he's a genocidal maniac, essentially. And... That felt like it really fit well together for me. I was a little bit disappointed that the Tesseract was the MacGuffin again.
0: Yeah, right.
1: However, after thinking about it more, like, initially, I was like, oh, my God, the Tesseract again. But then I was like, well, it feels a little better to have, like, one less randomly powerful artifact floating around Earth. And, you know, the fact that they're making a lightspeed engine and it's the Space Stone. It's like, okay, this kind of fits. And this is how it ends up in Nick Fury's hands. Like, okay, like, I, I get it. I don't fully understand, um... I forget where it was left off. In, I guess it just was in the middle of the ocean. But I, yeah. thought they, I thought they found it at the end of Captain America.
0: I don't recall. I don't
1: remember. But anyway, I, I'm sure they didn't because they wouldn't make that kind of mistake. But, um, you know, I, I thought that the plot overall was was very strong and fits in well. And I will say I'm a little bit nervous to your initial, uh, you know, your take on my take. <sighs> Little, I worry a little about mechanics, and trust me, this is never going to be a hard sci universe. But just to avoid plot holes, like, the mechanics of space travel are starting to get a little important.
0: Yeah, I'm and, with you. Keep going.
1: <laughs> and, like, like, so like, okay, it's a light speed engine. It's like, okay, so it seems like what we've seen so far in Guardians and Thor and now Captain Marvel, it seems like they must use some sort of system of wormholes or they call them launch points or something like that. Maybe stairs, you know, in space time or something like that to travel. But those go much faster than light speed. Cause they got from like the Cree planet to earth and, you know, some of they were going at what we might call sub light speed to a thing. And then they took the jump thing and they show up, right? Like via the big hexagons or octagon, like square yeah. things. And I just you know like i said we're not this isn't this is more clo- much closer to star wars than it is to you know star trek or anything hard but i just i worry that when you make them plot points then you, then people are going to be thinking about it just like the last jedi dilemma right
0: so this is so this is a, okay so yes there's no way that the kree are a intergalactic empire if they don't have you know light speed or near light speed Transportation. There's no way the Guardians of the, move, the Galaxy movies work without light speed or near light speed transportation. Now, theoretically, that does take place 20 Earth years after this does. But by the time this movie starts, the Kree are already a galaxy spanning civilization. Right. And they have ships that we see doing, for lack of a better word, hyperspace travel. Mm-hmm. So why does anybody give a shit about a light speed engine if if they've got hyperspace technology? I and I just feel like if we take in 30 seconds to explain that um, the light speed engine is important because and I'm making this up, but like the the Kree have this hyperspace technology, but it only works from certain points. Right. You can't use it to get from anywhere to anywhere, and in order to escape the Kree, the Skrulls need a light speed engine so they can get away from the nearest warp gate. 30 seconds, and that I, my pedantic nerd brain would have been happy but just like they said light speed engine, I was like, fucking light speed, what are we doing? Everyone's yeah, yeah. using light speed. <laughs> Probably like, more than light speed. The like Bifrost exists. Why what are we doing? Right. Um and if you're just calling it something different. Like exactly. calling it you know, just like would have been that's all. Pulse that drive in. engine or something. Who yeah. gives a shit?
1: <laughs> but yeah, they just oh. they chose that term and I was just like, ooh, uh, I don't like that. What are you doing? What are you doing? So I mean in the scope of the movie doesn't matter, but, it, know, it, but it it but matters it, to me. <laughs>
0: Well, okay. So you're right in the, in the grand scheme of things, it does not matter, but it was a, it was a fourth wall breaking moment for me. Mm -hmm. It, it, in that moment, it pulled me out of the movie and made me, um, you know, it made me start thinking about that and thinking about how spaceships get from point A to point B and boy, that's inconsistent. And now I'm thinking about other movies and blah, blah, blah. And so for me, the only time I get upset about, plot holes or things like this it's not really a plot hole but it's just is when it's when it becomes a distraction and impedes my enjoyment of the movie
1: right which is the exact same thing we talked about with last jedi and i i agree with you and i i it just feels sloppy on marvel's side like usually they're so tight about these kind of things that yeah well we're not going to draw attention to some of the things that don't make a ton of sense because it's fucking comic books and that's fine, right? Like, but I will say one other thing. This is, this not just getting super nitpicky, just nerd stuff. Or it's just like, I don't really know what Carol's photon blasts do. Yep. Like, are, like, because at some points they kind of seem like they're like cyclops eye beams and they're very, like, concussive and just, like, pushing people around. Other times they're, like, really hot and, like, are they going to, like, blast a hole through somebody? Like, I don't, and, like, that's not, I guess a huge deal at the end of the day, but I was just like, I guess i wish a little inconsistency of like, can she kind of decide? I don't really know, but. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I I don't, I think it's not 100% necessary for me to know exactly how they work, but one of the things that this movie is trying to set up in advance of Endgame is that she is at a power level that we have not seen before in the Marvel movies right Mm -hmm. she you know she is some kind of vital link in defeating thanos and nick fury knows this and when ronan the accuser sees her all powered up at the end of the movie he's in awe but we as viewers or me as a viewer i didn't see her do anything that seemed like i didn't have a holy shit moment with her powers and i felt like that's what this movie needed to do to really set her up as the most powerful, you know, hero in the Marvel universe right now. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, she can like I like I didn't see her doing anything in this movie that I couldn't that I didn't see um, Iron Man doing. Yeah, you know what I mean,
1: I, yeah, I I I struggle because I don't I've never read anything with her as Captain Marvel. I, I have read, you know, I read a lot of stuff with her as Miss Marvel. Um, you know, a lot of stuff surrounding Civil War and Secret Evasion, where she's a pretty major character. And she's always been a very punchy character. Like, mm-hmm. she said, like, her photon blasts were, like a thing she did, but kind of in the same caliber as, like, because she's very much an analog for Superman in some ways. Like, she flies around, and she beats the shit out of stuff. Which, you know, that's fine. That's a lot of crazy superheroes. And, you know, she kind of used her photon blast in the same amount of time that, like, Superman would use his eye beams, like, in certain situations that sort of required a ranged attack, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But usually her, her, and the movie kind of stuck with that, where, like, she just wanted, like, like, she flew through that spaceship, you know, and that seemed pretty powerful. It didn't seem, it seemed more powerful than Iron Man, it didn't seem more powerful than Thor, at least Stormbreaker powered up, end of Infinity War Thor. Yeah. But then again, you know, she's gonna be gone for you know like i said 20 earth years and come back sure. she's probably learned a lot but i um i will say that when she for lack of a term like went full super saiyan at the end i was i dug that scene i don't know no, why, it, it really worked for me i was like yeah yeah
0: bring it on it worked good yeah i agree and i think it was it was a good scene but i still didn't feel like i didn't have that holy shit moment and i think i needed in order for for what this, for what these movies want me to think about her, um, you know, a, a, and the role she's going to play in Endgame, this movie didn't do enough to make me really in awe of her power. Yeah, it was like, I, oh, cool. That'll be neat, I guess, to have on the team. Okay, you know.
1: Yeah, I will say that. So two things along those lines. First, I will say that right now her power set seems redundant, which yes. has always been a problem with the Avengers. Like, you know, didn't talks about that in the difference between Avengers One and Avengers Two was that he liked working with. You know, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch because they weren't punching characters like in the first Avengers, like, well, Captain America punches people and Iron Man. Well, he shoots some missiles, but he mostly punches people and like Thor kind of punches people. And, you know, now, but it's like Thor seems to be doing his lightning stuff a little bit more. And her and Thor seem very similar, at least at power level and what they do yeah. in their attitude. I. You know, I don't want to judge too hard of like what this movie is trying to do because we don't really know what her role and we're gonna talk about that then no. in Endgame is. And there might be more to it the fact that she's, I mean, essentially she got her powers from the Space Stone, so what maybe sort of similar to uh Scarlet Witch and this idea that like only the power of the stones can fight the stones kind of thing. I, I am nervous and I said I want to talk about this more later, but I really hope she's not sort of some sort of Deus Ex for Endgame. And I don't well, think she will be, that'd be really lazy, and I don't think Marvel's gonna do that, but especially in a movie. When you have 80 people and they all need to be important, but
0: No, I I I I think that they've that they have previewed her role a little bit in the you know in the in the in the post-credit scenes of Avengers or uh, of Affin- Infinity War, excuse me, where she is the she is the thing that Nick Fury, the mastermind of all of this she is the person that he uses his last moments on Earth to reach out to. She is the ray of hope, right? hmm And I do feel like in some of like the marketing and promo, I feel like the we've heard a lot about the most powerful, and I feel like they were setting this up as like, she's powerful in a way we've never seen before in these movies. And I think that... You know, now that she is, you know, because the Avengers lost in the last one. So now we need some somebody to come and rebalance the playing field that it's supposed to be her. And I just I'm I'm not there yet with it. Um, yeah, I guess is what I'm what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, and like I said, I don't even like really, really want that to be. I will say that I like that, you know, even in that. The, the stinger, you know, which I will say, I don't like the... This is the second time I've done this now where the stinger, instead of being a proper stinger, is just a scene from the next movie. <laughs> they did that between... They did that before Civil War with, you know, seeing Bucky trapped in, like, whatever vice they had him in when Falcon kind of traps him. And they, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I, I don't like that because, <laughs> I don't know, I, I mean... I, I don't I like the stinger like that scene makes me really excited for Endgame because and also the fact that like it's so dark and everything's blue and green and you know very like just muted and then she shows up and she's in like her full costume and you know bright blonde hair and just like you know like you said I, I hope that I almost hope that maybe part of her role is not just a physical you know ray of hope but it's just like an emotional one for them that like you know she's gonna try and basically pull them up and get them back to trying um i don't know but
0: yeah i will say i was a little i felt a little bit weird about the stinger because there's just something a little weird about not only does is it a scene from the next movie but it's also kind of a scene from the trailer for the next movie right? like they drop her into this setting that they know we're familiar with because we've seen the trailer and that just feels a little weird Mm -hmm. i mean i know that these things are the you know are the consumerist you know, the peak of consumerist product and I shouldn't be. But that felt a little weird of, um, almost like they're they're showing us a scene from the trailer of the, the other mo- of the movie. Um, and this is such a nitpicky, quibbly thing for me. Because, um, you know, I overthink things like costume and, 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 <laughs> and wardrobe and, and makeup and hair and all that stuff. But I really like short hair, Carol Danvers from the comics. <laughs> and I kept waiting for short hair to show up. Mm. because i um for any number of reasons but also because i just felt like she spent this whole movie with hair in her eyes and i'm like how are you having these fights with all that hair in your eyes (laughs) so just i was just like oh come, you know but then like i thought it would have been cooler if when she shows up in endgame essentially 25 years later um or you probably know exactly what year and game takes place. It's, it's supposed to
1: be roughly in, in time with us, so it okay. should be like 2020, right. something like that. So,
0: so fifteen years later, she shows up, and she just looks a little like she just got out of bed. Like I was hoping to see like more like when she shows up, like you know like you know like new haircut evolved costume or something to kind of give a little bit more of an impression of like a passage of time and she shows up even more badass than we remember right but my impression of of her when she got there was like um, she's had the flu for a week. <laughs> no, yeah, like this is this is the Captain Marvel we just saw her in her first adventure. She's newly empowered emotionally and literally, and like I want to see I want to see her 15 years into that journey when she shows up in Endgame. But that's not the direction they're going in. I'm hoping they fill us in on what she's been up to in the interim. But that's just not what I wanted to see.
1: No, I, I agree with you. That's, I hadn't thought about that, but now that you say it, I want that. I did like that they committed to the Mohawk. That was a cool cool move. I didn't think they were going to do that because it's kind of a weird look, but um, I assume that she won't be fighting with that very often because, you know, people hate masks, but whatever. Yeah. Um, my only other. I, I will say that I didn't feel like this movie was trying too hard to be like we're setting up for endgame like it felt like a pretty standalone. it did it movie, did movie which is good um because um, I was a little worried they're gonna try and fill in some backstory it was really necessary to understand end game, and I'm not really gonna need to know that that as far as we can tell um it did a lot more to fill in guardians than anything else but um that's okay uh the only points I had that I really wanted to bring up was that I thought the action some of the action was good some of it was pretty muddled I'd say it was below average for a movie kind of your earlier point. Um, like that, that scene in the first kind of big set piece when she's in the uh, scroll ship and she's got the things on her arms. Like there are parts of that fight that were cool, but there's a lot of just like quick cut, shaky cam kinda, yeah. and I was like, ah, oh, come on. It's like really dark and just like not great. Um I thought Marvel was better than that at this point. Um, but you know, like i said you can't over choreography every single scene i guess but and even like the last fight like i said I there was cool parts of it but i still feel like i really expected her to like show something off that was awesome and just like blow away a ship or something insane and she sort of just like took it out in the same way that thor took out the ships in infinity war which you know fine i guess but yeah
0: i mean i i think that like when i talk about like an oh shit moment like the um, lightspeed kamikaze in Last Jedi, right? That kind of holy shit. That's what I wanted to see for her in that final battle. But sorry, I cut you off.
1: No, no, you're right. Like it would have been cool if instead of flying through that ship, she just like let loose a humong, like a huge photon blast, just in- completely annihilated that ship. Right, and there was and, just like, like oh, takes f- a
0: chunk out of the moon or right. something. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, that would have been cool. I. And then as far as, like, the humor goes, I thought it was pretty solid. I laughed a lot. As always, a few things didn't land for me. Like, some of, like, the, you know, one-liners felt very 90s. But, I, and this is coming from someone who, like, is a huge cat person. I kind of felt like they overdid the cat thing a little Agreed. bit. Um, like, maybe one or two gags too many. Um, yep. Although, I, I did like the eye, the eye gag. Like, the kind of, like... Oh, when's Sam Jackson gonna lose his eye? And then yeah. like, you know, and then it happens. And my favorite scene in the entire movie, no lie, is when he gets scratched and he goes, Oh, it's just a scratch, and they cut to Mendelssohn's character, and he grimaces and shakes his head, no, real yeah. small. Like, yeah. I laughed so hard at that scene. And some people like didn't even notice it, but it was so subtle, but just like, yeah, that's not, that's not what that is. <laughs> it's, not
0: gonna, it's not
1: gonna work out. So I I enjoyed that um a lot. Uh, so but I oh, see anything else I got here. Anything else you had to say about the movie, Greg? I mean, I think
0: I think it tried to do something really interesting, and um, and like I like I said, kind of alluded to earlier about it left me thinking. And one of the things that the Marvel movie, the the origin movies, have gotten wrong. Well, I, no, no, that's not the right way. None that they've gotten it wrong, but there's a pattern they tend to follow of essentially it's a dude who is way too arrogant and his emotional journey is letting go of his arrogance in order to, you know, really become the hero he needs to be. And he finds his purpose, but also the full extent of his power by learning selflessness. And that's kind of in the shape of a lot of these things mm. and you know that's fine as far as it goes you know as a broad stroke story outline nothing wrong with that gets a little repetitive yeah <laughs> um, you know in kind of all of these movies but this one really did something different because there wasn't a moment where she gets over a bad personality trait you know mm-hmm it's not this movie is not about her becoming a better person and th- you know this movie is about her basically claiming her own power and shaking off the expectations and the limitations that her world has put on her.
1: Right and re- and remembering the good person that she already was.
0: Right. Well and I think she 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 was, she was always a good person but realizing the realizing what side she should be on
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way to put it
0: um but and that's that's a really clever twist on what we've seen of the other marvel superhero movies of you know accepting responsibility and um learning not to be a dick (laughs) which you know is again fine as far as it goes but it's also kind of a very male um honestly coming of age story
1: yeah, and I will say that I think that this is – I think it's part of a larger trend that you've seen in the more recent quote-unquote origin stories. Even you know, Neither of them are, are as origin-y as this or some of the others, but when you look at the last two sort of major character introduction movies, Black Panther and Spider-Man, neither of them really go through that either. Correct. And they, they it's, it's also you, – you can see the purposefulness, I think, behind it, the purpose behind it, because that is – that's spider-man's origin story right like the fucking phrase you know (laughs) great power comes that is that is the thing right and they just didn't do that yes they didn't have him his whole like i was an asshole and my uncle died because of it now i'm not an asshole like they just completely cut that which in some ways is pretty controversial but because that's like a big part of that character right but i think that it shows that they must be cognizant of that pattern and, and maybe realize some of the pushback where I think the last one did it, Dr. Strange, where it's like, okay, you can't keep doing this over and over again.
0: And I, I think there's something kind of stealth about, in a lot of the stealth feminism that this movie had going for it, um, along with some of its more, I mean, it's overtly a movie about, you know, it's the first major tentpole, Marvel, female-led, blah, 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 blah all the things we've heard. Um Uh, but the big, obviously the, the almost trollish nature of making Marvell Annette (laughs) Benning um, (laughs) to just even, you know, twist the knife even deeper for the shitheads of the internet, (laughs) like, "Ah -ha ha, we gender swapped even the inconsequential male character here. But, um, the fact that this really is an empowerment story and it is a lesson about that, like your path to power it, you are already powerful, um, your goodness is what made you powerful in the first place. And, you know, it's... And then there is a larger system that is constraining your power in order to get what it wants out of you, to manipulate you. I mean, like, that's really, you know, fucking subversive. And yeah. I like that. Um, and I like the way that the movie just kind of does that and doesn't beat you over the head with it. But when you stack it up next to... um next to the other you know uh the older marvel mo- model of um you know almost hey it's okay to be in you know almost carbon copy Ayn rand objectivist as long as you're not too much of a dick about it <laughs> um and nobody can tell you what to do tony stark as long as you end up doing the right thing we're all happy um i thought that it was really good in the same way that um the Kind of the arc of Black Panther was about, um, you know, T'Challa understanding what was the right thing to do with his privilege and power, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know learning how to get over himself, right? <laughs> In order to use his power more effectively, or yeah. To get I mean, the man off his back. I, I, I like the way that the that these movies are building into the origin story more of a message that aligns with what the movie should be. Um, So again, if we're talking about the movie and its goals and what it wants to be, I think this movie did a great job with that part. There were other parts it didn't do a great job with, but...
1: Yeah, I would agree. That's why I said I thought it did a good job of, you know, its goal of female empowerment and pride and without being clunky or too, like... I'm not sure what I'm looking for, but just, like, beating you over the face with it in in a very, like, unsubtle, un sophisticated right. way and you know i really you, know, you can take it one step further you can say like you could look at this you know the Cree society as this very you know maybe not maybe not chauvinist in the traditional sense but this very aggressive you know imperialist uh mm-hmm. you know a lot of on honor bound society mm-hmm. that is is like Literally, in this case, oppressing her and her power, right? Like, and she yes. breaks out, of, and that's a really good like metaphor, for lack of a better term, you know. And, and I think that was well played. I, I think you know without without portraying the whole race as like evil, right? Which I think is yeah. why having Ronan be there is a good foil for like, you know, you know, Jude Law's character is an asshole, right? He basically gas gaslighted her, right? Like, that's what his role yeah. in this is. But they didn't they didn't come out and say that right that showed it which is which is good
0: and they also did a good job of like you never got the impression that other than him because you knew that he was in on the brainwashing and and the manipulation you never got the impression that the rest of the super squad were altogether evil or bad right they were, like her, you know, they were they were soldiers doing, you know, fighting what they thought was the good fight. Um, oh, I wish we got to see more of Blue and Giants Pain though.
1: Yeah, I like that scene that, too. And I also like when, like, you know, Ben Mendelsohn's, when Tylo says, like, you know, my hands are stained just bread. Just as dirty as, everybody as is, And, like, yeah. the, the horror of war and what it does, you know, that... I just really liked that whole plot line. I thought it was, thought it was good.
0: Yeah, I mean, that whole... The third act with the exception of the big action sequence was really I was really getting some uh Star Trek Next Generation vibes mm. from that whole third act which is great for me <laughs> never going to say no to that but when it was when they were doing the reveal of um oh no the ugly aliens are really the you know put upon refugees and I was like man motherfucking Captain Picard better walk around a corner right now <laughs> this is uh, but yeah, I really, I like that. And I like that they, you know, and then that, that little scene to kind of drive that point home where he's like, they're kind of escaping to the ship. And he says to his, his wife, he's like, you know, cover the kid's eyes. because they I've got to murder some dudes. Yeah. I was yeah. like, it does a good job to your point of like kind of painting the picture that, you know, war makes people do things that they wouldn't otherwise want to do because, you know, there are forces beyond their control.
1: Right. And you're operating on under the context that you can. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Well, um, obviously a lot depends
1: on Endgame, but do you think they're gonna like you know if they make a sequel? Do you think they'll set it like you know after this but before Endgame, or do you think that they're just gonna let that lay fallow?
0: I don't know. I, I'm I'm not honestly, and this is you know this is one of my problems with prequels, and this movie is in a lot of ways a prequel, but it it avoids a lot of the prequel problems, mm-hmm. but. At this point, I know she shows up in Endgame, and I really don't need to see anything in between. I really, really don't. I don't need to see anything else from it. I mean, obviously, the next movie comes out in a month, so I'm not going to. But it's like I don't want to know anything about the mid... What happens between Infinity War and Endgame, or any, you know, anything. I don't... Captain Marvel 2, if there is a Captain Marvel 2, I'd much rather it be Uh post-Endgame. I just... Because I really hope that the two most interesting parts of her life, by the time we get to Endgame, are the moment where she becomes herself, becomes Captain Marvel, and then when she saves the fucking galaxy, (laughs) you know, saves the universe, saves reality. Those, I I don't... There isn't some other cool thing that happened in between.
1: Yeah, I, I... I might slightly disagree and I'm not sure how you do it cuz I think there's a lot of problems and like you said like I would say this is probably one of the most successful prequels there's ever been.
0: Yeah, I mean it's is it I don't know if it's a tr- true prequel. Yeah. But anyway, sorry.
1: Close enough, but I would say that like I feel like there's an interesting story to be told of, you know, her help like you know, what is the status of the kroll Scree War cuz she clearly had some impact on it since it ended, I guess. And You know, I could see her facing off against Ronan, maybe. But then again, that'd be kind of boring because we know both those characters go on to do other things, which isn't that fun to watch. If it was a comic book, it'd be great. A little, little, you know, short run of whatever. But I don't know how to do it in a movie. I just like there's there is something there that, you know, and I don't need to have not out of a desire to have every bit of open space filled up with something, but just that, like, I feel like there's unfinished business in the Kree scroll world. And I don't know, maybe that could happen after end game, who knows, but um, it just felt like there's still still a little bit of a ter- territory to explore there. But
0: I mean, my impression based on what they were kind of alluding to in the movie was um, the war ends by they're essentially going to evacuate whatever scrolls they can to some out of the way place and basically declare a truce. They're basically going, going to, you know, I, for lack of a better comparison, they're going to make a Skrull Israel somewhere, mm-hmm. establish a homeland, and you know that's going to be the that's going to essentially create the armistice in the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, and and the existence of Captain Marvel, you know, defending the Skrulls creates something of a nuclear deterrence.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So
0: I kind of feel like that you know that could all kind of play out in a title crawl. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see just her and Talos going on some kind of like cool, fun space adventure, you know, where he's going to be. Oh, man. You know what would make me very happy? If he shows up in Endgame. Oh. If somebody just like decloaks halfway through the movie, that would be real good. Yeah. That would be real good if like Hawkeye has been Talos this whole time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really funny and ridiculous. Um, I will say it's interesting. I, I wonder if what they're going to do on the road of if like, you know, they're going to sort of explore the com- more complexities and have the scrolls because like, you know, the scrolls have been like, you know, number one Marvel villain for so long. And I, I wonder if there's going to be like, oh, well, these are like the bad scrolls over here that are still fighting the war because they're taking revenge and they've gone off the deep end. And, you know, it, it, once they do get the rights, the full rights back to, I think what it is like that, that, that Marvel has the rights to the scrolls. As a species, but that the,
0: the super scrolls Fox
1: has like the rights to most of the named scrolls because yeah. they're mostly up in Fantastic Four and X Men comics. Just like okay, you know, so because I feel like to have the scrolls just be completely a benign quote unquote race, like you know, seems like a kind of cop out. But not that that diminishes the story in this movie. Cause I think it was very good, but
0: I don't know. I think I'm happy with where the scrolls are. I think that there's only so many stories you can do with the. Scroll hunt enemy within, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, so we watched Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> that we can do, and I think bringing them in, using them to create this twist, give us this fun character, I'm good. I don't, I, I think, I don't think there's enough there, there with the scrolls to make them all that interesting in the long run. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Um, Okay, so if, if you said everything you want to say about Captain Marvel, I want to, you know, as always, we must, because the consumer's model pushes us too. This is the last movie for Endgame. And as we said, it didn't do a lot to sort of like, you know, it got me excited for it just in the fact that any Marvel movie gets me excited for the next Marvel movie. But it wasn't pushing this next movie in the way that other movies have previously pushed other following yeah. movies, um, which is good. Um, but now we have all the information we're going to have going into Endgame. Um, and I wanted to sort of ask, like, what do you think is going to happen? Because I've been trying to put it together in my head of what this movie needs to accomplish. I've tr- I've been trying to avoid, you know, set pictures and toys and some of, the, like, the descriptions of footage for Disney execs and things. Because some of those mm-hmm. are not always trustworthy and it throws me off. It makes me overthink things. Um, but basically based on what we've seen, you know, a.k.a. the trailer and the lead-up movies um, where the movies have left off. I know you didn't watch Ant-Man and the Wasp, correct?
0: I actually did. I actually oh. watched that uh on Friday night because it's on Netflix.
1: Okay, you're right, you're right. Um, What'd you think?
0: I, I, well, I mean, to be fair, I only gave it maybe 60% attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted something, you know, that I I wanted something on and this really fit the bill. I was curious about it, but clearly not curious enough about it to like sit down and like, you know, put my laptop away, and zoom in on it. Um, I enjoy. it was good. It was good. I mean, yeah. again, there's, it's probably not as, you know, but for something you're kind of only half watching, I thought it was good. Paul Rudd is great. Um, you know, everybody who's in it is great. Um, it was a nice little just kind of caper. Yeah, like the um, three the,
1: the three way caper style. I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and you saw
1: yeah. the end credit scene, I assume. Yes. You uh, know, so we know that Ant Man was stuck in the quantum realm at the end of that. Yes. Um, so that's sort of the the state of the universe is that you know we know what happens in Infinity War. We know what happens in, in Ant Man. We know now that. You know, Captain Marvel is going to show up. So, and we know that everyone is in this movie, right? So the biggest question I have is based on the trailer and based on what we know that everyone's in this movie is it almost seems like, and we kind of talked about this before a little bit, but I want to revisit it, is that like, it kind of seems like the undoing of the snap has to happen like in the middle of the movie because we're going to want to see a big set piece you know, at least a chunk of the movie with the characters, like, half the characters, right? Over half the characters, probably. Like, they're not gonna... I don't think it's has been with situations where the characters just show up in the last... Like, Spider-Man and Black Panther, and all these people show up in the last five minutes, be like, oh, we're back! Great! Cool! Like, I I feel like... But I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, We also know that you know, I'm sure you heard they said that it's, you know, right now it's sitting at a three hour runtime, and it's looking like it might stay that way. So a lot of movie, a lot of movie, which, you know, I think is justified in this case. Uh, I'm going to have to figure out what to do because apparently I'm not 20 and can't hold my bladder for three hours anymore. I but
0: I, I thought I read somewhere they were considering an intermission.
1: They've talked about it. I think they, they said they're not rolling anything out, which would be great because tell you what, by the, even at the end of Captain Marvel was like, I really got to pee. <laughs> What do you think, Greg? Like, would you have an idea of like, I mean, you know, we've we've heard rumors of time travel. We've heard rumors of this or that. Like, what do you think? What do you think the general structure of this movie is going to look like?
0: I I mean, structurally, I don't know, because, um, for example, Infinity War had a very unconventional structure. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that there's anything sacrosanct about the three act structure, but that movie didn't really have it so i don't know what this movie really will um i think i don't think this i think time travel is a absolute part of this movie i i think that um there has been too much groundwork laid for a time travel solution what with the um We've already seen the Time Stone being able to rewind time, not only in Doctor Strange, but also in Infinity War explicitly. Um, And we also understand that there is some weird timey-wimey stuff that goes on in the Quantum Realm from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's even some hints in the Endgame trailer that... um, scott lang shows up at wherever they are they're looking at security footage and the timestamp is in the 80s
1: oh i didn't see that yeah oh interesting So,
0: so, so in that trailer where they you remember they're looking at it and he's outside their their gates or whatever yeah and you know uh captain america asks something like is this a live feed and apparently if you freeze frame it and you know you know look at the um the screen that the characters are looking at, like the timestamp is from the eighties or something. Huh. So, I never noticed that. Wow. Yeah. So apparently, so if Ant Man somehow comes unstuck in time as a result of the quantum realm, and we also know from Ant Man and the Wasp that you get some sort of mysterious god powers in the quantum realm if you hang out there long enough. Sure. Um who was it that played uh the original wasp? Um was it Michelle Pfeiffer? Correct. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So she gets some kind of God powers when she's in there. So we've there. there there's too many time travel avenues here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how do you do a time travel? Uh, we're going to go back in time and fix the problem. How do you do that in a way that still has some tension? That's tricky because there's always the question of, well, okay, if you screw it up, just go back five minutes more and try again, which Deadpool 2 you know, solved by, you know, cables, time travel deal. He only had so many charges in it, or, you know, you do something like that. Fine. I don't think it's going to be soul stone stuff. Um, you know, there's a theory that everybody who died is now inside the soul stone because we have that. There was that kind of uh surreal scene. Once Thanos does the snap where he's with mm-hmm. Gamora again in that yellow world. Mm-hmm. And the theory is that's the soul stone. That's, inside the soul stone and she was just the first victim essentially mm-hmm. but i think that um i think it's going to be time travel shenanigans how else do you do it i don't know i i feel like once again i feel like the time
1: travel is just so hard to do well you know especially movie with states because like deadpool 2 it it you know it's a movie we care about but it, it's kind of a it's more of a i'm not a parody but it's not something that's like ah well it's, it makes fun of the fact that it's got time travel in the in the Yes. difficulty surrounding that and i just feel like it's a very risky move to have i'm not saying it's not going to be a component of the solution i don't think it's going to be to your point i don't think it's gonna be like we're just going to go back in time and fix it somehow like i think it might be a component i think that if they do this well also to your point i think they're going to take components from a couple different especially new players like captain marvel's got a component ant-man's got a component you know yes. and i think that that will be sort of what they do it i mean i I'm thinking that from the trailer, basically all of that probably happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Um, I think if not maybe 15, but because there's really not, I, we don't see a lot, but
0: what I think and based on kind of the arc of infinity war, what I think is going to happen is I think it's important that the surviving Avengers who survive infinity war are also the Avengers from the very first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. That is not an accident. Right. Um I think and given the themes of sacrifice that are in um Infinity War and the way that our our heroes the Avengers continually especially Captain America continually refuse to make sacrifices and then lose I think that whatever the time travel solution is that our original original Avengers Thor Iron Man Hawkeye, Hulk, uh, Black Widow, Captain America. Am I leaving anybody out? No. Those six, whatever they have to do to undo the snap, they have to sacrifice themselves. I think they all die capital D permadeath um, in this movie. Um, I think that is that completes the emotional arc of Infinity War and that allows you to introduce a new team. Hmm. Interesting. A new team of Avengers that will be made up of, let's say, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's... There's always been the sort of assumption that... I think a lot of people are operating an assumption that we lose... Definitely lose Tony Stark and... Steve Rogers.
0: Oh, yeah. They are dead.
1: They are super dead. I don't know about the rest of them. I mean, I... Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, Maybe not. I think that's definitely... I think it's on the table. I mean, I assume they could just make a Black Widow movie in the past, like they just did with Captain Marvel. That's fine, because that's happening. I know that they've said, you know, that... I mean, Hulk's always a tough one, because they they can't legally make a Hulk movie, apparently.
0: And I also don't know if you can make a hulk movie (laughs) yeah so far two relatively talented people have tried
1: yeah um and you know the other ones i I don't know i mean i I think that i think that thor ragnarok really breathed a lot of life into thor and the franchise and i think that you know marvel's probably not wanting to do that but you could probably do a a beta ray bill movie and make it work at
0: this point i would i I wouldn't mind again i'm not saying they all have to die no no yeah i i would not be surprised if all most, if not all die, but yeah. for sure, Tony and Steve are toast.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, I, I think Tony Stark will live on as an AI that will allow Robert Downey Jr. to come in for two days worth of voiceover. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that I don't see that. I don't see this movie ending with anything other than the establishment of a new generation of Avengers.
1: No, I think that's definitely true. And whether or not one or two of them stick around or, right. you know, Thor goes off to try and resurrect Asgard or something like that's all on the table. But Ooh, yeah. Or um, is,
0: you know, is is Black Widow the new Nick Fury? You know, right.
1: Yeah. Although it seems like from Spider-Man, Nick Fury still Nick Fury. But um, oh,
0: you're right. He does show up in that.
1: And that was one, that was one line in that movie that I think stuck out in the trailer for Far From Home for Spider-Man is that we know that movie takes place immediately after uh, Endgame and which seems a little odd, but um, the tone of the movie, but uh, right,
0: which is why I think time travel.
1: Yeah. But, you know, when I think it's happy, uh, John Frover, you know, who's saying in the trailer like you're far from home, you're all alone. And like that, they really put a lot of emphasis on that thing, which really means to imply to me like that. Tony Stark is not here anymore. Yeah. Um, and why Nick Fury is taking over the I'm gonna coach this damn youngin' around uh yeah. role. But yeah, I just I'm really just much like I mean, going into Infinity War, I had a much better idea of what I thought was going to happen. I was wrong in that, but it wasn't wrong in the general idea, it just happened a lot more aggressively than I thought it was going to. Like I thought, you know, the snap was gonna happen halfway through endgame and you know, whatever. But the fact that they shoved that into a movie effectively was what you know i was wrong about but the general plot line of like ah there's lots of fighting and he gets all the stones and kills everybody that was sort of what i expected to have happen right but here i'm just not really sure i don't know the mechanics i don't know the structure i don't know you know who's going to make it out at what role the dusted people are going to have in this film um are we yeah. going to see some alternate they got they got sent to the stole soon and they're stole they're Stolstone and they're trying to do something you know we see them in a different reality trying to break out or something you know who knows but i don't know
0: I don't think we see. I. I don't know. I. I think that. I mean. I feel like the climax of the movie, the emotional and storytelling climax, needs to be the undoing of the snap, right? Mm-hmm. And the and the and the decisive defeat of Thanos. I don't. I don't think you can get that part out of the way early and then have some other problem to solve. Right. And not only. Just mechanically, now we're going to introduce some new threat, like Galactus shows up or something. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. But but also, I think that, you know, this is the big save the world moment Mm -hmm. that we have to pay off on emotionally. So I feel like that needs to be, yeah, that needs to be the climax, is whatever sacrifice Captain America has to make, and he chooses to make it, and, you know, and then save everyone that's that's what this all has been building to yeah so no
1: you're right that's a good point point. and like I said I, I feel that way too but I also feel like the the pragmatics of my brain is saying like well I know all these actors came and filmed a bunch of this movie you know
0: sure and, but and, so the question I mean so they could have come and filmed like we rescued you all from the soul soul stone and now we're gonna have a big fight yeah um or it is essentially, we're going to now reenact certain scenes from Infinity War, but with the altered timeline. Mm, fair. Um, I think that is, I don't know. I don't know if that's more or less likely, um, just because I don't know if people, are. I mean, how much of it is going to feel like you're watching the same movie again, or are you just playing fun little, like, Back to the Future 2 tricks on us that, you know, we've seen before? Right. Um, I don't really know how they're gonna do it um but i would think that it's gonna be tough to have a lot of big action moments in endgame yeah yeah because and just for the simple fact that now i know they've been very secretive about what's happening but and like even at this stage like even just the toy leaks have been so minimal um because usually there's you know you figure out who all the characters are because the merchandise is is starting to leak out Mm -hmm. by this point in the in the cycle but who are they going to fight? Right. Like, because at least in, in Infinity War, they introduced a couple new mini-bosses mm. for, the, for for our heroes to fight. Right. In addition to Thanos, but we don't have that.
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe be, Thanos makes dark clones of all the other people and they fight them. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how exciting would it be if they really threw some real left-field surprises at us? Like... Fucking Hugh Jackman as Wolverine shows up. <laughs> I mean, I doubt that. But uh, I I really... I, it leaves me feeling, like, really excited
1: because I really just have no idea what this movie's going to be about. And I don't, I don't feel like I felt that way about any Marvel movie thus far.
0: Well, I mean, you probably felt that way about Iron Man.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. But I was also like...
0: <laughs> well, and the hype machine, you know, yeah. because up until now... So much of these Marvel movies has been predicated on this idea of really bringing all of the fans in on every stage of the development process, telling us the titles and the release schedule four years in advance, and talking about this is phase one and this is phase two, and the culmination is Infinity War. You know what that is, right? Um, That there haven't been any really any surprises in the broad strokes. Yeah. We've known and the me we got a pretty good idea of what each one of these is going to be going into it from the trailers and just what they tell us about it and telling us what uh comic book arcs it draws from we've known the plot outline for this for almost a decade now and finally for once we get to this movie Endgame, and they have told us comparatively very little the truth is they've told us what you know they told us the amount of stuff that they what you used to know about most movies <laughs> going into it, it was like I've seen two trailers and I know what who the stars that are in it that's it and right now I'm gonna go see it that's the way it used to be but yeah and, and the amount of
1: subterfuge they use for Infinity War you know which played off very effectively I think you know who knows what sort of misinformation's out there right now
0: yeah so I mean, it's nice to have this level of anticipation and uncertainty, uncertainty about a movie, but we have to remind ourselves that the reason this feels refreshing is because Marvel decided to do it a different way for 10 years, and they were That's such true. a big force. I mean, yeah, it used to be, you get to the end of a James Bond movie, and it would say, James Bond will return in Thunderball, and, and then, you know... You'd wait two years, you'd see a trailer for it. You'd be like, man, ah, it looks good. Let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but now, you know, it's different. And for once, they're not doing it that way anymore. And it feels refreshing. And I do like it. I do like being like, all I really know about this is I have a sense of the state of affairs going into it. And I have a sense of the general mood. That's it. Yeah. And Everything we, we else do is know generally that
1: there's going to be, you know, some sort of undoing of something that happened. But we don't know what that looks like and the state of things after that necessarily.
0: Right. I mean, this movie is pretty boring if the world's population has been reduced by half and now we're just going to go fight some gangs on the streets of Chicago, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm unsurprisingly, I'm very excited, but uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to see. I, do you think we're going to get another like tr- proper trailer for Endgame, game or do you think this is it?
0: I have a feeling that we'll probably get another trailer, but I don't think it's going to tell us a whole lot more than we don't already know. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Um, I think we'll get maybe one tease of something that feels like a holy shit, but I think that's about as much as we will get. I think we'll get a trailer that's like 75% what we've seen before, but then, you know, um, we'll hear spider-man's voice at the end of it or something you know what i
1: mean or it's a shot of captain marvel doing something cool or something like yeah. that yeah yeah that is one thing i'm excited i am excited to see captain marvel in the hands of the russo brothers because one thing they've shown they can do is they can really make their characters you know in on screen set pieces feel really awesome and maybe those holy shit moments you're lacking in captain marvel and some of the you know, negative sides of the, of the action and fight scenes, I think I'm excited to see her in, in those hands because yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah. I think they do. They have a, they have a knack for action scenes that the directors of Captain Marvel did not have. Um, so I would, I, I, I am excited to see her in, in the hands of some more action oriented directors. And, and I, I have a lot of faith in them in their ability to, cause if you think about how many, Characters and scenes had to be crammed into Infinity War and how much, you know, they have, we've got three minutes with everybody from Black Panther and we've got to make it all work in those three minutes and they nailed it every time. So I'm really excited to see how they, you know, make some of these newer characters, I guess really just Captain Marvel, work
1: in that context. There's a lot of rumors we've heard of, like other characters showing up. There's a lot of rumors that there's an an older Cassie Lang in this movie
0: somehow you know Once Cassie again, Lang is is Scott Lang's, Lang's daughter, daughter
1: yeah who becomes in the comics she becomes the, her name is Stature but same kind of powers you know sure get big and punch things but um you know there's some some rumors that you know once again to your idea of a new team of Avengers that there will be some new characters introduced here that kind of come out of the woodwork in the, af- in, in the midst of this terribleness and you know one of them possibly being uh monica the little girl from captain marvel maria's hmm. daughter because she's a different captain marvel at some point um that that name and that character uh i don't think who did, else they've mentioned did um,
0: shuri, uh shuri uh t'challa's mm-hmm. sister did she make it out of i don't think Vinny we know War? i don't think we know because i think it would be kind of neat to see her like she's the new black panther in the interim
1: which does happen as well down yeah. the road um yeah, that would be cool because there always has to be a Black Panther. Um, yeah, so I don't. I think we might see some of those. And there's also rumors that you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow suits up, um, which is you know not that exciting because uh, I'm kind of over Gwyneth Paltrow. But uh, yeah, but
0: yeah, I think. I mean, I do think that that would make a lot of sense in that kind of like that gives you some more characters and some more action in whatever the first half of the movie is. You know leading up to the big you know we're reversing the snap um and then that sets up your next generation too mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't know i don't know we will find out in t-minus two months i
1: guess less than that almost it's april isn't it april 29th or again or whatever somewhere like that so a little bit less than two months i i mean month and a half at this point yeah that's that's quick and then we'll get another another quick turnaround with Spider Man in July, I guess. Not quite as quick, I guess, but. Uh, and this will be uh yeah. This will be this is this is. I, I think back a long way to you know. When I when Iron Man came out what was it, it's been ten years now eleven years so I've been like twenty. Shut up. Because I turned thirty on Wednesday and I'm very sad about it. Oh yeah! What a tragedy. When this podcast goes live, it'll probably be in the past. I will be thirty. I will be one step closer to death in the infinite beyond.
0: Um, Hey, (laughs) Hey, you realize I was having those feelings in 2013, right? (laughs) But I,
1: I just think back to this, you know, not to get a little bit like, you know, overwrought here but just thinking back to when I remember I walked into work I was in I was going to college and you know I walked in I worked in the advisement department at Millersville University and our our good friend good friend Danielle Rapp she said to me you know oh did you hear the news that you know it sounds like Joss Whedon's gonna be directing the next Avengers me I'm like you're full of shit and that was uh, the beginning of a really I mean, not beginning because those other movies were cool too but just like that opened my mind for possibilities of what was actually feasible. Because up to that point, it was all just... I don't know. Like you said, there was no... All this stuff just sort of happened. Probably because I was young and I was paying attention. But also the way that the media and hype train surrounding movies and superhero movies, which were really just emerging. Like, I don't know. It just felt like I... Now like I feel like anything's possible in film, where back then I didn't feel that way, but...
0: I... This represents a different milestone for me. <laughs> April of 2019 represents... Two things for me, um, two things that are coming to an end, um, or at least as much of an end as any major entertainment property can, and that is uh, Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. and what I'm going to call the old style of Marvel movies. At least I hope both of those things are coming to an end. Um, I know that Game of Thrones will live on through prequels and spinoffs and anything other than two more books (laughs) and anything other than the ending I wanted um, or even the last half of the thing that I wanted. But I I, I want these things to be over. Um, I feel like the Marvel style, it it is starting to turn around. It is starting to re-envision itself. But I feel like this last Avengers movie is representative of this is the last one uh, with these characters and in this style. And going forward, we're in new territory. And I want that very badly.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about... Because I'm exhausted these. Yeah. We talked about in our 2019 episode, you know, about how, like, our, our reflection on 2018 and looking forward to 2019. And how this year seems very, you know, like, kind of like a... Like you said, a milestone, a high, or not, I don't know if it's a high watermark, a low watermark, depends on the thing you're looking at, I guess. But just a shifting for a lot of nerd franchises, for lack of a better term, at least in the film and TV area, partially because of the Disney deal uh, with Fox. But, you know, like you said, Game of Thrones is ending. We're getting the, the beginning or, you know, maybe maybe slightly in 2020, the beginning of a lot of new new shows that are going to be trying to take up the mantles and new movies and new franchises. We were a little off that episode looking back on some things we forgot about like Shazam and, and Wonder Woman two, which is also due out and some of these things that DC is working on, which who knows, who knows what DC is doing at this point. Um, Although I'm, I guess I'm going to go watch some of these DC shows because apparently they're not that bad on the, the, the streaming thing, I don't know. Doom Patrol is kind of fun, but
0: yeah, it does look OK. Uh,
1: but anyway, I just think that, you know, like we said, with Star Wars and with Marvel, I just think we, we are at a point of of, you know, I think we're going to look back on 2019 as like a, a watershed year of like this marked a, a, a jumping off point for different things.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, Game of Thrones comes to an end, at least this version of it. We know there will be another version of it because nothing ever is just one thing anymore
1: no I mean I, that's the reason I was reaching out to you I, I mentioned to you today about saying how I didn't realize the showrunner of Sharp Objects was like a big time Buffy alum and the only reason I saw is was because I saw an article that said like oh like Gillian Flynn and you know the showrunner are working on trying
0: to do like a Sharp Objects season 2 and I'm like do we really need to Does, does everything need to have a se-? don't do it just don't stop um, but yeah so Game of Thrones the Avengers as we know it Marvel movies as we know them and I know it's kind of a gradual transition, because like we said, Ragnarok was a very different kind of movie. Homecoming was a very different kind of movie. Captain Marvel was a very different kind of movie. And I do think they're trying... Black Panther was a very different kind of movie. I think they're... A lot of the reinvention has already begun, but but also this year, um, what I've been saying to you as, the last Star Wars movie I'm likely to care about comes out, because this will be... Episode Nine will be, without a doubt, the last... Real Skywalker saga Star Wars movie.
1: Yeah, uh, I which rumor has it that we will be getting our first trailer with Endgame. Yeah, you, if you uh, need how, any, how could you not? I mean, if you need any other reason to go see it, that's gonna really push you over the edge, right? <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, a lot of these things are coming to an end, and, and maybe that's at least for me, or maybe what all of this represents is me giving myself permission to stop fucking caring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can move on to dad things. It's time to time to give up. On being a young nerd, you're going to be like, well, I'm done with this podcast. I'm just going to watch reruns of Seinfeld and and Fox News all day, right?
0: Well, other than the Fox News part, <laughs> I mean, you do realize I watch a lot of Seinfeld reruns, no, I right? I know you do. I know you do.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> and, when, and, and why do you think I'm only now giving up on being a young nerd? <laughs>
1: well... You still seem, you still seem to want to, you've been trying to keep up, but once, you know, once we get the announcement that PewDiePie is going to be in a Marvel movie or something is when you're really just going to, you know, never change out of sweatpants and yeah, just, just give
0: up, right? Yeah, or find something that, um, you know, the young nerds will never touch. <laughs> like, uh, you know what, uh, you know what, and I can't even do that because now they're getting into like... Communism and radical leftism now. So I don't even have that. I can't even be like, well, I'll always have China and Meaville. I'm like, nah, they're going to be there any day now. Ah, damn it. These Chapo <laughs> trap house kids were ruining everything for me.
1: <laughs> I forgot what, what I was reading about, where it was like talking about how, uh, you know, oh, I forgot. it was, was a, listening to a podcast with Will Ferrell. Someone was saying how, like, you know, kids today are like, you know, people in like our parent generation are mad because they're not like rebelling enough because we just have too much student (laughs) debt to be anything but but responsible uh with the exception of you know where i said trapo trap house
0: well i well at risk of at risk of of going uh getting out of our lane here like yeah maybe maybe it's just that today's kids rebellion doesn't look a lot like yesterday's kids rebellion because capitalism has co-opted nearly every form of rebelliousness that previous generations had invented Um, you know punk rock had to come about because rock and roll was co-opted by capitalism and commercialism and um, and then you know hip-hop essentially had to come in and then you know this is the cycle of it and now yeah today's kids don't look that rebellious but if today's kids were running the show um it would be like communism and guillotines man i (laughs) i kind of feel like yeah it's it might not it might not look it but mm, shit's coming man
1: i guess we will see now that we've gone way off topic from uh, Captain Marvel, I guess we should wrap yeah. up.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess there isn't much of like a point in trying to recommend or not recommend this movie because we just spoiled every fucking minute of it. So, like, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess to wrap up, like, I, I I did like this movie. I mean, I I would recommend this movie to people who you know are interested in in you know an entertaining popcorn movie with. Some, I mean, truly jaw-dropping special effects in just de-aging Sam Jackson. Yeah, I didn't. Like I shit. didn't notice not even Holy once. Holy shit! I I did not see a single. The only thing that I noticed, and it's because I was looking for the seams. The only thing that I noticed was he moves like an older man. Mm, yeah, he 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 moves like a guy who's in his fifties or sixties, not. I mean, I think we were supposed to assume he's maybe in his 30s or 40s in that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at that point, he is a, you know, former soldier and spy. So he didn't quite have. I don't know, but that was really it. That was really the only thing I saw was that you could just kind of tell in the way he would move in some of the action scenes that, um, you know, he was an older man.
1: But yeah, I, I get to what you're saying about that. Um, just quickly running the math here. Uh, yeah. Um, Sam Jackson is old, man. He's born in
0: 1948. Yeah, dude is yeah. 71. Good for him.
1: So he wasn't look like he was running like a 71 year old, huh?
0: No, that's true. <laughs> so I guess I'll take it as a win, right? Yeah.
1: Wow, I didn't. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But geez, um, yeah. Also, did you know a little trivia that that blockbuster is an actual blockbuster that still exists? It's one of the two. Yeah, yeah. I didn't well, know that. Well, soon to be one. So. Yeah. So that's uh that's funny to me. But hmm. I don't know. Okay, well, I I would say I recommend this movie. I agree that I think that, you know you if you don't like Marvel movies or superior movies, you're probably not gonna like this. It's not doing anything super subversive or changing this the changing the game that dramatically, but if you have it even a faint interest in these kind of things, I think that you'd probably find it enjoyable.
0: Yeah. I think even somebody who's not necessarily a fan of the Marvel Thing the whole package. Right. Because I do think that can be intimidating for people um, because like, can you enjoy this movie without having seen the 5,000 other movies that come before it? Absolutely. I think this movie stands on its own. I think, you know, it's improved if you, you know, if you're familiar with Nick Fury and Agent Coulson and, you know, all those other things. But I think this thing stands on its own. I think it's a good flick. I think it's a good popcorn movie. I think it is, um, I think it does interesting things with its, you know, the femaleness of its thing, (laughs) of -hmm. its hero and its point of view um, that are interesting and worth watching, even if, you know, it it, it has some missteps and makes some mistakes. Eh, Good movie all in all. Agreed. All right, guy. Well, um, we're going to release this because it's timely and then I'm going to edit and release that other episode that we recorded part of our big heavy metal project.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for that.
0: Yes, I am, too. Uh, It's been a bear to put together, but um, I think we've really made and are in the process of making something kind of special. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All right, guy. Well, talk to you soon.
1: See you later.